What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza here with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you had a fun, safe, and relaxing Labor Day weekend. Hope you did some fun things. Maybe you got a little work done as well. So uh, happy to see a lot of you. I'm seeing a lot of people saying hello in our various chats, however you, you may be joining us. Good to see everybody, whether that's through the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. By the way, you can subscribe to that by clicking on a, I think at the icons right around here. So click that, subscribe, hit no- notifications on so you know when we take the air and when new content is available. Whether it's on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, hello, I see Robert and Matt and all kinds of different people, Chris. Uh, good to see everybody. Um, and hey, I, you know, I, I I don't like to get overly personal on some of these things, but uh, you know, there's just a lot of things going on for me personally, a lot of things going on, I'm sure, for a lot of different people. So I got to say that taking the air and talking some bangles and talking about week one, personally speaking, and seeing a lot of you and your enthusiasm just for listening to me jabber on for a while uh, pumps me up, pumps me up. And I, I may not sound like it when I say that, but uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for you all. And uh, I appreciate you tuning into this show and tuning into what we do at Cincy Jungle, not only on the website, but on the podcast channel. Um, I, you know, it's kind of, sometimes you have those days where it's a little tougher to get going on, on some of this stuff than others. I guess today was a little bit like that. And so, uh, you know, I'm feeling this is, this is a good thing. I'm feeling pretty good. And we we're here to talk the Bengals, the Vikings, the NFL, the AFC North, all kinds of different stuff. As week one is here, the Bengals are set to host the Vikings and, uh, let's get to it. Let's get to it. We've got a bunch of to get to a bunch and like i said we're gonna we're gonna do what we normally do on the water cooler chat talk talk about the team talk about what's going on and then of course uh along with some other teams around the league and we'll even uh, take a peek specifically at some things going on with the minnesota vikings since after all that's who the Bengals play this week so let's get it going on the water cooler chat by the way do do you guys know why we call it that because in days of yore, uh, I guess pre-COVID or maybe even longer than that, uh, people used to huddle around the water cooler at your respective offices and talk about sports, talk about life, talk about all kinds of different things. We are here to talk about sports and the Cincinnati Bengals, so that's why it's called what it's called. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be chatting it up with you guys, so to speak, about the Bengals and what's going on. All right, week one. Here we go. Let's start with some of the let's start with some early news here and let's let's go back in time a little bit to last week this is on cincyjungle.com the Bengals, in case you have not heard did put khalid kareem on injured reserve and they re-signed mike thomas back to the uh the the roster now it was a little um, it was a little kind of surprising that the Bengals all of a sudden kept seven receivers and then they decided to cut two of them later on. So the Bengals uh, decided then to kind of make some corresponding moves. Khalid Kareem is dealing with a shoulder issue. It looks like he's going to be on the short-term IR, uh, could, back, could be back after week three. Let's get a little more details. I did put the link in all the live chats here, but Essentially, he's on the reserve uh, injured list, and like I said, he 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 had a shoulder injury, and then he could miss a few weeks. And um, 
you know, he in the preseason finale he played in in Miami, he was outstanding in that first series. He had a pressure that caused an incompletion, knocked a knocked the ball out of the quarterback's hand, and then also had a sack to end the, end the series. So he was playing pretty well, and it was it was a sight for sore eyes after the Joseph Osai injury, White Hubert injury. So um, you know, he's he's going to potentially return after the first three weeks. We'll see what happens there, but. Um, that's kind of a newer rule with with things in the NFL. But then um, so Kareem on IR, Mike Thomas back to the roster. And I'm sure Mike Thomas was the one who was kept on the roster over Trenton Irwin, the other guy they they waived because uh, Mike Thomas may have a little more value in Darren Simmons's eyes on special teams because of the veteran presence and what he brings to the table there. So those are a couple of recent moves here that we wanted to talk about here. We're going to talk a little bit more. Let me find the correct. uh, Let's, let's do this one here. We just talked about him. So we'll go Trenton Irwin. He was added back to the Bengals practice squad a handful of days ago. So let go a guy who played very well in the preseason for the most part did well in practices he is now joining the Bengals practice squad you would think that a guy like him and another guy we'll talk about in just a second who are on the practice squad would be the first kind of people that they would call up if needed but uh, the Bengals now have six active wide receiver on the six receivers on the on the active roster now that Mike Thomas has moved up and then Trent Irwin is is on the practice squad so uh, the Bengals have some options there if there are issues and or if there's just something um, with with matchup issues that are in a given week that make the team want to want to go a different direction in terms of loading up at wide receiver, loading up at, at different spots, that sort of thing. So uh, those those are some moves here that the Bengals have made. Speaking of more moves and this one, hey, this one, this one hit home because this one. Uh, unfortunately, you never like to see someone get released, especially a young player trying to prove himself like Winston Rose, who is a CFL standout. But personal favorite of the show, Mike Daniels, back to the practice squad. In years prior, this would never be the case because Daniels had accrued too much experience in the NFL, so he would not have been eligible for the practice squad. Those rules have changed, particularly in the COVID era here. So the, the more players can be added to the practice squad, more players can um, you know, it, with differing levels of eligibility and and uh, years accrued experience, all that kind of stuff can be added to the practice squad. So the Bengals add back our good buddy Mike Daniels to the practice squad, and kudos to him. That that might, might not have been a the easiest pill to swallow, so to speak, for Mike Daniels to go in there and uh, you know, guy who's made a Pro Bowl. He's been on a lot of good teams. He was very important to this team last year. And all of a sudden, the guy who started games for the team last year is now a practice squad guy, you know, a, a decade plus into his career. So that's that's not an easy transition, but kudos to him. And he is looked at as a leader in this locker room, will continue to be so. And again, if, God forbid, there are injuries that occur or anything like that, he's probably one of the first guys they call up, of course, matchups and things of that nature as well. Uh, he would probably be one of the first people that they call up, I would think, Um especially with what's going on in the AFC North and their, their running back crew, et cetera. Let's keep rolling on here with some kind of breaking news or news that, uh, Hey, it's either come, come out over the past couple of days or things like that. But in case, Hey, we're here to catch you up. 
We're here to catch you up. Uh, yeah, let's get, let's go here. I guess we got to go to some Trey Wayne's news here. He is uh, Zach Taylor announced early this week that he is officially out. Actually, it was yesterday, Monday, he announced that Waynes will be out with a hamstring injury against the Vikings. So of 17 regular season games that Waynes has been with the Cincinnati Bengals, he has played zero or will have played zero after this week. And unfortunately, not only is it just a big blow, because he looked pretty good at camp when he was out there. He missed some time early with another hand. <laughs> the other hamstring was tweaked. Then he tweaked the other hamstring at the end of camp and preseason uh, but he went, when he was out there, he and Awuzie were looking pretty good. And unfortunately, this this hamstring injury just appears to be something that's going to be too uh, too nagging for him to play in week one. You know, so what this does is this paves the way for Eli Apple, maybe Darius Phillips, but it sounds like Eli Apple is going to be the guy that's going to get the nod right away uh, in relief of Wayne's to to get kind of the start at corner. Uh, it's been an up and down career for Eli Apple to say the least that's maybe being a little generous so Eli Apple will get the start opposite of Awuzie the good news Awuzie was one of the best players in all of Bengals training camp uh new face and he he struggled last year but he was injured so uh, I, I think they'll be okay on that other side they may try and patch things up uh with with a combination of Apple and Darius Phillips and others uh, playing the outside, we will see, but Trey Waynes will not be out there. And it is a shame because he's not going up against his former team. Here's the deal though. Uh, Wayne signed a three-year $42 million contract last off season. And then of course he had the, the chest injury last year. Um, if the Bengals decide to cut next uh, Wayne's next off season, they'll be on the hook for 5 million in dead cap space while saving 11 million and that is according to over the cap. Um, so I I still don't think that the Bengals, look, there's still a whole season to see how this plays out here with Trey Waynes. Maybe he comes back after a couple of games, ends up being a solid starter for him, and then this is just another bump in the road here in this contract. Obviously, if these things keep occurring and he doesn't see the field, the Bengals will have kind of not a lot of choice here to than, than to probably cut him out but that's down the road we'll see what happens right now this seems to be a short-term injury and a short-term issue but trey waynes will not be suiting up against the vikings against his old team which is a bit of a shame i'm sure he would have liked to have uh, exact a little revenge against his old team there as well uh, i see a good good question from my my buddy here uh the orange arrow if you were zach would you have put him on ir i assume uh derek there is referring to Trey Waynes. I, I I don't know, but obviously they feel pretty good that beyond week one that his injury will subside and he'll be able to get out there sooner because as you as you just saw with Khalid Kareem, he has a shoulder issue and he can come back after week three. So obviously the Bengals it would seem that they were going they feel that Trey Waynes is probably going to be able to come back before that time and and we'll be able to start games but you know hamstrings are tricky we'll see what we'll see what happens there but good question there uh on Trey Waynes let's keep it rolling here with some more recent news with the Cincinnati Bengals and we'll start with the kind of less Less important or less serious news update, I suppose. This is from our, our buddy Jeff Hobson, in case you did not know, and in case you will be at the game in person. The Bengals are going to be in all white on Sunday, all white uniforms. So the new unis, they will be rocking the very first one 
that they will be sporting will be the all whites. Uh, we saw the white uniforms in preseason looked pretty clean there. So they're going to go all white with the orange helmet, obviously um, should be a pretty clean look. And Hey, if it's going to be pretty warm, uh, nice to have the white uniforms less, you know, that those black uniforms kind of soak up the heat a little bit. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, that, that's a, maybe a good move there. If it's supposed to be pretty warm, we'll see, but Jeff Hobson of bangles.com tweeting out that the Bengals are going to go in all white for the opener. We knew the Jersey combos that they were going to, or we knew the jerseys that they were going to wear, but, uh, just confirming there, the, the uniform choice also kind of a cool thing. Um, that was announced. I, I didn't have the tweet pulled up, but my my colleague, you can go on his Twitter account, John Sheeran. I think he may have been there. I'll have to confirm that with him. But at Paul Brown Stadium today, there was kind of a little announcement. Elizabeth Blackburn and, and members of the media, it looked like, were on hand. And uh, Bob Johnson, the original Bengal, was designated as the, very, the team's very first draft pick. At number one overall, the offensive lineman is going to be the ruler of the jungle on Sunday for week one. So he will be in that throne and getting the festivities started as the Bengals take the field, etc. So um, that's another little tidbit of news for Sunday's game. Speaking of Sunday's game, continuing on that vein, a little bit of a rhyme there too. Oh, well, here is from Mike Petraglia, the Bengals depth chart. And hopefully you can, you can see this here. Not too many surprises based on how we saw the final roster shake up. Some of these last couple of pieces of news that I just brought up about Trent Irwin, about Mike Thomas, about Mike Daniels, etc. But you do see, despite some of the the catch issues, uh, Jamar Chase is the starting one of the starting wide receivers with Auden Tate. Uh, Behind him, you've got Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Xavier Suofilo, and Riley Reef as your starting offensive line. So not necessarily a who's who of, you know, uh, perennial pro bowlers, but I think we can all look at that and say there's improvement off of last year's group. And this group showed quite a bit of improvement throughout the preseason as well. So that is something to... Um, that is something to note as well with the offensive line. I think we knew that that was going to be the, the lineup there. CJ Ozama, Drew Sample, and then Mitchell Wilcox, the tight end group. Wide receivers, again, you see in the slot, Stanley Morgan backing up Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins on the other outside spot with Mike Thomas backing him up. Morgan is a guy that is, uh, you know, going to be going to be counted upon for special teams duty as well. They really like him for special teams duty. So, um, and then again, you've got Thomas there on the outside behind T. Higgins. Thomas actually had, um, Thomas had kind of a, a for a guy that was like number four, number five receiver on the roster last year, he was a guy that kind of was in there for a significant amount of snaps and uh, made some plays at times. Uh, I think he had a touchdown in the early Cleveland game and, and made some, some plays in there. So he does give you a little bit of an offensive uh, production in there, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then of course, Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen. So, you know, you, you go down to defense, Sam Hubbard, uh, sample backing him up at, as the left defensive end. You got reader then Tupo as your nose tackles with Tyler Shelvin backing them up. Ogan Joby and BJ Hill as the other defensive tackles uh, on the roster defensive end, right side, Trey Hendrickson and Darius Hodge backing him up. So, 
some unique looks there. And obviously we're going to see those, those, all of those names in all kinds of different combinations up front. They're going to mix and match and mix looks up there. So uh, all of those guys, I would assume, uh, of course, Wyatt Ray too. I, I missed him on the left defensive end spot as the third left defensive end. But I, I assume all of those guys are going to get different looks and, and be moved around a lot. That's kind of a nebulous situation on the defensive line for the Bengals. You've got Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt as your two starting linebackers. Uh, Davis Gaither backing up Wilson and uh, Evans backing up Pratt. And then, of course, you've got Marcus Bailey backing up both Wilson and Davis Gaither. Again, Those you'll probably see a heavy rotation there. Hilton, Waynes, Awuzier. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of surprises here. And then, of course, you've got your starting punt returner, Darius Phillips. There he is right there, Tyler Boyd backing him up. So it's it's Phillips' job right now, especially without either of the Trents on the active roster. And then, of course, you got Wilson as the kickoff return man, Huber McPherson, and Thor Clark Harris as the long snapper. So that is the current depth chart as of September 7th on Tuesday. So I uh, didn't want to spend a ton of time on that, but at least you get a read on what's happening with the team here. Another transaction that came through right before and a little bit while we were a couple minutes late going live. This, uh, we wanted to make sure we got this. The Bengals signed former University of Washington and Minnesota Vikings quarterback Jake Browning to the practice squad. Unfortunately, punter Drew Chrisman, who missed the majority of training camp and preseason with an injury, was released. We'll see if Chrisman is a guy they have in their plans down the road to maybe uh, supplant Kevin Huber, maybe next year. But, um, you know, it just wasn't really a competition here. The interesting thing about this, look at what team he came from, ladies and gentlemen. The Vikings, right before the Bengals play the Vikings. <laughs> so... Go figure that one out. I don't know exactly what uh, if that was intentional from a game planning standpoint. Uh, I do remember watching Jake Browning quite a bit um, at, at the University of Washington because I get to watch a lot of Pac-12 football. Had one outstanding season, I believe it was with um, John Ross on, on the team there, but he's bounced around and unfortunately with some of the receiver talent that left Washington with him, he did not uh, fare as well, but has bounced around in the pros a little bit. Former Vikings quarterback, the Bengals signed Jake Browning and released Drew Chrisman um, to the practice squad there. So interesting news. And uh, I think the Bengals are trying to look for any kind of competitive advantage that they can maybe get at this point, um, which is fine. Hey, scratch, claw, do what you got to do to get in the win column for sure. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. You're listening to our weekly show, the Water Cooler Chat, where we go over all of the news with the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and the rest of the NFL, talking and going through some headlines. Tiny bit of analysis, but that is more safe for our Wednesday night show, in which John Sheeran and myself will be doing that tomorrow night. We've got a special interview. I can't really tell you much else beyond that, but we have a special interview that will be dropping on Thursday for you. And then we'll have uh, some more stuff throughout the weekend for you as well, both on our Orange and Black Insider channel, as well as through the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. By the way, I believe our boys Ace and Zim on the Orange is the New Black podcast, part of our, our CJ podcast channel. I believe they are interviewing Quentin Spain this evening, uh, which would be Tuesday evening. So be sure to go check that one out. That'll be really, really cool to check out there. But uh, between that one and, and one we have dropping on Thursday, this is going to be a, a pretty cool week. And, and hopefully you will enjoy everything we are bringing you up to kickoff 
as the Bengals host the Vikings. And if you're new, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Boom, 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 right about there. Uh, click that spot and then uh, click notifications as well to be turned on. And also subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel wherever you get your podcasts, your audio, favorite audio streamers, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of them. Go check that out and leave us a rating too, if you could appreciate that. And hello, I'm seeing a lot, uh, way more hellos from some people joining us, continuing to join us live. Good to see everybody, Chris Risner and many, many others. Good to see a lot of familiar names, a lot of new names. Um, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening and uh, being a part of it. Love it. Let's roll on, huh? Let's roll on. Yeah, Justin Money says you need to get Mike Daniels back on. Yeah, we'll try. His representation has been awesome to us, by the way. So we will uh, we will try and, and do what we can on that front. Continuing on the Bengals-Vikings week one uh, news here. Bengals announced their team captains. I believe this was yesterday as well. Yes, it was. And uh, they, they announced the seven players, Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, a new one, Jesse Bates, Vaughn Bell, Sam Hubbard, Kevin Huber. Now, the two that kind of stand out to me and that I will make the most comments on would be Joe Mixon and Jesse Bates. Mixon stands out to me because think back a handful, and I don't want to go back and rehash, uh, you know, uh, ugly instances in the past from anybody, but you know, when you think back to Joe Mixon in the as a prospect coming out of the draft, there was kind of this ugly story that followed him. And we, I think we all know the deal. We don't need to go into the details there. Um, you know, there were just some off-field concerns with Joe Mixon. And he has been nothing but essentially a model citizen since entering the NFL and being with the Cincinnati Bengals has asserted himself as a team leader. So when I saw his name at the captain level, you know, I, I unfortunately – you know, I did think of an ugly situation years back, but it also made me really proud as, you know, someone who covers the Bengals and a fan of the team, really proud of a guy like Joe Mixon, who has really, uh, you know, kind of turned things around from that ugly incident and uh, really matured and is now a team captain of the team. So kudos to him on being one of the seven captains of the team. And then you look at Jesse Bates, that's an interesting situation because the Bengals and he apparently are in, you know, contract stalemates. Uh, as, as contract stalemate at this point in time, they have a few days. Bengals are not; um, uh, they haven't agreed to a long-term deal. Jesse Bates now a team captain. He's also been a big part of their marketing endeavors that they've been really pushing out with the new jerseys and everything. And so he is a um, a captain there. And then you see the ones last year: uh, Burrow, Bell, and Huber were captains, along with um, uh, Sean Williams, AJ Green, Gio Bernard, and Josh Bynes. So. Uh, interesting stuff there, but uh, that's those are the seven captains right there: Burrow, Boyd, Mixon, Bates, Bell, Hubbard, and Huber. So congratulations to those seven and uh, guys that are uh, in a lot of a lot of different ways they are deserving of that designation. And usually, your quarterback is the the team captain there. So, speaking of the team captain, speaking of Joe Burrow. There is a, a feature that is going to be aired. I believe it's going to be on SportsCenter on Sunday. Um, so it, it's an interview with him uh, talking with ESPN. But basically, there's more talk of, hey, we have high goals as a team in terms of level of success that we want to attain. And then, of course, the knee injury, where he's at mentally, where he's at physically with all of that. And there were a couple 
of quotes that he sent out um, with, uh, it was with Dan Graziano and it was with ESPN. So this is probably going to be on the full interview will be on um, ESPN and, and I think they're, you know, their website and all, all kinds of different outlets, but um, quote, none was the answer when Graziano asked him if he had any concerns about his surgically repaired left knee. So quote, it shouldn't affect me at all. Meaning the knee brace. I don't really like wearing it because it's big and bulky, but I don't think it'll affect my play. I think he also went on to say that he doesn't think it's something he will need for the entirety of his career. At least he doesn't hope so because of those reasons. So that's, that's Joe Burrow on the knee brace there. And then of course you see here, the, the goals for the season, quote, make the playoffs, win the division. We really need to get better at closing out games, which is definitely something that has plagued the Bengals for a while there. Quote, we had leads in the fourth quarter of something like seven or eight games last year, and we ended up losing all of them. We just need to be better down the stretch. So they host the Minnesota Vikings, and look, while this seems like a winnable game for the Bengals, and they very well could win the game, especially it being at home, the Vikings are, are a pretty high-quality team, and that's probably going to be uh, – my my assumption is that it's probably going to be something that is going to resemble a one-score game or something that is relatively close. So the Bengals very well right away could have a contest in which they will need to be able to get over those hurdles of these one-possession games. Week one last year. I mean, I don't want to remind everybody what happened there last year, but that was a one-possession game. Um, you know, the, in the subsequent weeks after that, I think the Browns in week two, the Bengals played, played catch up there, but, um, you know, that was a one possession game. You had the tie with the Eagles. So, I mean, there are a lot of these situations where the Bengals were in these games, had late leads, all that kind of stuff, and they couldn't close it out. So that is a big focus, which inevitably will lead to the first two points that Joe Burrow brought up in terms of being competitive, winning the division, making the playoffs, all of that. So, that is a, some interesting quotes there from Joe Burrow. Now you've got some more quotes from his buddy on offense, Jamar Chase. I guess I should have talked about this after the depth chart, but that's okay. We're going to get to it anyway. Jamar Chase speaks on his preseason drops. I, I feel for this kid because there's nothing quite like trying to get over a mental hurdle and doing the work that you need to do in order to, to get over said hurdle. And then be asked about it over and over and over and over again, probably going on social media and hearing about it over and over and over and over and over again. So I feel, I feel for him. I mean, I think he's 21 years old. He's not, you know, he's a young kid and he's trying to figure a lot of different things out, but it sounds like he's pretty, he's pretty confident that things are going to be fine. He's been working at it and he gives maybe a couple of reasons as to what has been going on with those God, what was it? Four drops in the preseason. So uh, basically he said, quote, lack of focus. I didn't let the ball in a lack of concentration. Just watching the ball come into my hands was just lacking on my part. Now, I think you could you could definitely say that with the dropped screen pass against Miami. That just looked like a, a young player who was running upfield before the ball was secured, turned his head upfield before he saw the ball into his hands, made the catch, and, and you know, just trying to make the play before it was there, essentially, right? Whatever, whatever old cliche you want to use about that. That's what that play seemed like. There may have been one of those against Washington, but there were a couple of others that just were, man, I, I mean, I, I, maybe it was only that lack of concentration, lack of focus, but 
these are things, you know, got to get, got to get cleaned up. Um, there are, is more that he said, quote, I don't want to blame it on me sitting on my butt the whole year, but it probably has something to do with it. Of course. So, and I'll link the, the entire story to that right there on cincyjungle.com as well. I, I, if you tuned into our roundtable discussion that we had, it was a ton of fun on Friday with myself, John Sheeran, Matt Minnick, uh, Ace and Zim. I think, unfortunately, especially when he's 21 years old, especially taking the year off of football last year, especially with adjusting to the other thing, by the way, that we didn't even talk about that Chase mentioned in this interview that you can find on that link. He talked about it, obviously the different size ball from college to pro and how that is, you know, that's an adjustment, especially taking that year off. So uh, there, there, there are a lot of different things here. I think, I think we're all pretty confident that he's going to figure this out. And if he was to have a struggle, it's great to have it in the preseason and in training camp and not in the regular season, but there were a lot of signs of this. There's some drops in practice. Then of course the four drops in two games, two preseason games to close out the year. Um, so, you know, th- there are reasons to be concerned, but he seems to be pretty confident. He's been working at it. A lot of the practices since that ugly Washington performance have been pretty good. So, uh, I think the Bengals are in a good spot as well, where he's kind of, he's a big part of the offense, but he's not, this isn't the, he's not being thrust into a role like AJ Green was in 2011, where it's like, we got to get this guy the ball all the time. There's not a lot else around AJ Green uh, on that offense in, in 2011 in terms of receiving, receiving threats. I think at the time they had what Jerome Simpson and, and I, I don't, you know, I'd have to go back and look, but there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of other big play threats. Whereas Chase is a big play threat. Chase has talent, but so does Tyler Boyd. So does T Higgins. Hell, you can even talk about Auden Tate in that, in that, same regard. You've got CJ Uzama. You've got other guys that you can look to. So maybe that'll help take some of that pressure off and hopefully these concentration issues remedy themselves. Usually they do. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I'm inclined to believe that that Chase will be okay, but that's, uh, I don't know, that that's what Jamar Chase had to say about the drops there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing you guys, you guys talking, gosh. The one day I, I every time I don't wear a hat, you guys get uh, get all up in arms. I know. I, I and by the way, I have not. This is actually long and gross hair. I gotta cut it. I gotta cut it to look good, presentable for all of you as I head my way out to Cincinnati this weekend. I gotta trim it up. I gotta make it look nice. I just decided to not wear a hat today. Actually, I had a uh, a thing at my son's school, so um, I had to meet the teacher. So I decided, you know, I'm not gonna. I could have worn a Bengals hat or something of that nature. But I said, you know, I'll look presentable at least a little bit here and uh, see what we can do from there. But um, maybe back to school night will be a little bit of a different story, but <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, thanks for noticing the, the, the hair guys. I, I appreciate it. I see a lot of comments on that. Uh, 
let's since we're talking about Bengals wide receivers this is a good one here tyler boyd i think we've known this one i feel like this has been a story like seven times but um seven times this offseason alone i should say but he makes the pff all underrated team does tyler boyd um so obviously a guy who is just you know does does a lot of things that you hope for out of out of a wide receiver and does them well and just, you know, and continues to fly under the radar. But uh, here's what PFF said about Bloyd. Slot receiver is one of the most valuable positions on the field. And Boyd has grown into one of the NFL's top player at that position over the past three years. Since 2018, he has run the third most routes from the slot and is one of the league's 10 highest graded players on those reps. Boyd's 51 explosive receptions of 15 plus yards from the slot lead the league in that span. And I think you're going to see, especially as Burrow tries to get back comfortable in the offense, especially as Jamar Chase kind of finds his, his niche and, and hopefully finds, finds his hands a little bit there. uh, I think you're going to see some of these security blanket type of plays across, you know, these short intermediate move the sticks type of plays to Boyd, to Ozama, maybe to sample, but some of these, you know, uh, Higgins as well, you know, and some of these guys that he has some rapport with, especially as I mentioned, Burrow comes back from the injury, things are trying to click on offense. I think you're going to see Tyler Boyd, especially in the beginning of the year as a kind of a, a big featured guy in the offense, but who knows? We'll see. But named as one of the PFF most underrated, all underrated team, makes PFF's all underrated team, does Tyler Boyd. So good for him. And speaking of hyping up more Bengals players, Akeem Davis Gaither turning heads. The Bengals are high on him saying, quote, he had a hell of a training camp. Uh, this is a guy I'm I'm really, really interested to see how his growth goes in, in year two. I think we're going to see some good growth from Logan Wilson. Maybe not, you know, Pro Bowl type of linebacker or whatnot, but I think you're going to maybe a bit more reliable than last year, has the occasional big plays, et cetera. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think that that is going to be something that we're, we're going to see from Logan Wilson. Now, what will we see from ADG? Um, you know, he, he had a really bad pro football focus grade last year. Uh, didn't, didn't have a ton of defensive snaps. You see there 30% of Cincinnati's defensive snaps was all he played. Um, and then you see here, defensive Lou Anarumo, defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo said, Akeem Davis Gaither has had a hell of a camp. I can't see him not out there performing in some role at some point making plays just because he's had such a great camp. He's a tireless worker. He's had a really great camp. What, so the question is, you know, what are they going to ask him to do in year two? Where will he play? Um, is he going to play more in space? He was a, a, a very able pass rusher at Appalachian State off the edge and situational pass rush uh, plays. So he may be a guy that they do a little bit of that, ask, ask more of that this year. He may be a guy that they do something else with uh, – you know, playing a little bit in space, maybe a little rover because he's athletic, but a guy that, uh, you know, I think that I think could, could do some things. If you remember he and Logan Wilson combined to drop, I think like three or four interceptions, just them last year at, at the linebacker spot. Uh, so, I mean, and I think those were in, you know, two, two plus different games that those 
three or so interceptions that were dropped took place. So think about that if they're able to corral even most of those, half of those, whatever, and what that would do in terms of win-loss records, t- turning the tide in a game, all that kind of stuff. That is, uh, you know, something that I think should be should be noted. Um, should be noted. Uh, I see here. Uh, ice Cincinnati sports with strawberry ice. What's going on, man? Uh, good to see you, Jeff. Uh, yes, I am coming to game one. That is, that is the plan. I will be there. So, um, would love to meet and chat with all kinds of different Bengals fans if possible. So, uh, yeah. Hope to see you all out there. I will. That is the plan. I will be out there game one with my brother and my nephew. So uh, take it easy. Let's go to, I want to end on one. Let's, you know, let's, let's go a little bit. Not so great news. Then, then, uh, well, we'll go good news. Not so great news. Then end on a nice new, nice piece of news for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're already going long. How do we, how did we already at thirty seven minutes in this show? Crazy. Um, let's do this one here. Five Bengals crack the top two hundred fantasy football players. I think we know who these players will be. Uh, I think I, I haven't looked at it because, quite honestly, I figure it's Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, and the three wide receivers. So let's check it out. And if you have not had your fantasy football draft yet, these are names to obviously watch. Uh, here we go right here. Joe Joe Mixon comes in um, at number 13. Quote, Mixon can do it all. He's got outstanding vision and offers reliable pass catching ability. So a lot of people have in this, a lot of people have Mixon slated for a huge workload this year. Huge. And while I, I, Part of a good part of me thinks he's up for it. There have been some injury issues with Joe Mixon, so I, I hope he is up to the task. The Bengals also have a couple of of nice, uh, you know, the the north south bigger back and Samaje Pirine that can kind of do some short yardage stuff and some different things. And then of course you've got the athletic Chris Evans that can do some things as a receiver too. So regardless, it sounds like by all indications, Joe Mixon's going to have a big big role in the offense. Uh, T Higgins came at 47. Tyler Boyd comes at 68. Jamar Chase at 56. And Joe Burrow at number 110. By golly, I was right. It was those five. Mixon, Burrow, Boyd, Chase, Higgins. So again, Mixon, if you are into fantasy football, and you better be because we're going to be bringing you some fantasy football content on this program. So number 13, was Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, number 47, Tyler Boyd, number 68, Jamar Chase, number 56, and Joe Burrow, number 110. Take that for what you will. Now for some not-so-great news. the Some NFL executives are not necessarily a fan of the Bengals' front office. And this is on CincyJungle.com as well. I'll pin that. Link for all of you in the live chat, or if you watch the chat afterward, I will put that in there for you. But this is, they, they rank near the bottom of AFC front offices. Well, okay, this is according to The Athletic. 
And this is in, this is more in reference to what they are doing and what their plan is for 2021. I just don't know what their team is right now. Uh, one of the voters said an anonymous executive front office executive talking to the athletic. I don't know what they're good at or what they can be good at outside of how Burrow played last season and what they have in Mixon, Joe Mixon. I don't know what they are defensively. I guess the corners have been playing well in camp, but I don't see a plan. I couldn't tell you what they are. That seems to be the big narrative from the national side of things, looking into Cincinnati and what they're doing with their team. Uh, You know, even looking at it big picture wise, it would seem to me that who they are or what they want to do is fairly obvious because they have three talented wide receivers. And as I just mentioned, they're kind of telling the world that they think Joe Mixon is going to have a big role in this offense. So they want to score points. (laughs) I, I think it's pretty simple. And the fact that if you actually looked at what they did in free agency over the past couple of years, even this year, adding DJ Reader, adding Trey Hendrickson, adding Larry Okunjobi, bringing back Josh Tupo, adding Joseph Osai. I know he's not there. Cam Sample, Tyler Shelvin, all of that. They want to be physical up front. And they want to get after the, after the passer. They want to stop the run in the AFC North. They want to get after the passer. And on the other side of the ball, they want to score points through a variety of different ways and be diverse on offense. I think that's who they want to be, right? Uh, it's I, I see here from our buddy Al Mac uh, 2, yeah, it is fair criticism. I get it. But if you actually look a little closer in there, I think you can kind of see what the Bengals are trying to achieve and what they're trying to be. I think it's just the fact, and I thought about this today, I think it's just the fact that the Bengals went with Jamar Chase instead of an offensive lineman in the first round. People are still losing their minds about that, especially with Chase dropping the football. And I think now, would would this even be as big of a, how would we feel if Jackson Carmen was lighting the world on fire and grabbed a starting spot and looked like a solid starter right away? Would this even be a topic of conversation in the offensive line? Throw out Panay Sewell not playing well. Throw out in the preseason. Throw out Jamar Chase not playing well in the preseason. If Jackson Carmen was in there and grabbed a starting spot and playing well, would this would this be a narrative? Because that's a second round pick. I don't know. I, I just uh, I, I think if folks actually kind of looked a little closer into things, they'd they'd see a little bit more. I do understand the criticism. I've said there are a lot of questions and. I think that it also depends upon how some of these young players, your two, your three rookies that are asked to play this year, it's going to depend upon how quickly they can mature and grow into their roles and contribute and how healthy the Bengals. Good Five Keys uh, article on Cincy Jungle by by Matt Minnick. Um, And of course, health was one of the top ones in there. If the Bengals can stay healthy at critical spots like the two lines, offensive and defensive lines, I think I think they can be okay, and and if those wide receivers obviously stay healthy too, um, I think they could be okay. I think they can be pretty good, but we'll we'll have to see here, and they have to start turning things around in those close um, those close score games. Can't can't keep losing those things and expect to be a competitive team. Just can't. You got to start closing things out. To end on the Bengals portion of the news, this was a really good story, and I recommend you all see i think adam jones was a was on shannon sharp's show 
Um, he's got a separate show aside from the one he does with Skip Bayless. He's got a separate show where he kind of talks directly to, to current and former players and things. I think it's called, uh, I, I don't know. I, I have to look. Um, but in the interview, Adam Jones talked about a lot of different things and he, uh, Oh, club Shay Shay. That's the, that's the Shannon sharp show. Um, he divulged the information that he adopted Chris Henry's son, Chris Henry died in 2009 and Adam Jones was close with him. Not only, you know, dating back to West, their days together at West Virginia. So Chris, uh, Chris Henry and his kids have been adopted. Now what, what that, you know, it's not really totally any of our business anyway, what that adoption process looked like. If there was a formal adoption, if he's kind of more of a godfather type of type of figure or an uncle type of figure, what have you to, it doesn't matter though. Um, basically he has a really strong relationship in one form or another. And he used the word adoption. Um, we quote, we love each other hard. We cry together. We pray together. We do everything together. We're all family is what Pac-Man said about uh, Chris Henry's, kids. Now, Pac-Man has had his share of all kinds of different things off the football field, both as a as a football player and even after his football career was over. Um, but this was this was a really kind of special thing and a special moment in the interview, a, a nice piece of information. And it's good to see that Adam Jones in in some ways has kind of wrapped his arms around those kids and and helped uh, and helped them obviously growing up without a father. So Good to see there, and I wanted to at least end the Bengals portion of the news with it with a good, uh, good feel good story of sorts. With that, I know it's a little bittersweet because we're talking about Chris Henry not being around for his kids, but um, it's good that a very close friend of his and Adam Jones is stepping up and doing whatever he can to help out that family and those children. So, very, very cool. Before we get to the AFC North, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the AFC North, trust me. And then, of course, we got the NFL, which includes some news about the Minnesota Vikings. I saw some questions earlier about, you know, talk about the Vikings offensive line and whatnot. We're going to talk a little bit about that, of course, more so on Wednesday as well. But I got to tell you guys and gals about Symbol. And by now, you know the deal with Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app backslash obi i will put that link in the live chats for you if you use the promo code obi when you sign up with symbol you can get an incentive and signing bonus with them you can see here it's right here deposit 25 dollars now and get a free week of symbol gold and of course symbol is where you can buy sell trade all kinds of different sports teams like their shares of stocks whether that's in the Cincinnati Bengals, whether that's in the Cincinnati Reds, they kind of keep playing with. I know a lot of Queen City faithfuls' hearts. Uh, they're they're in the they're in the hunt. They're kind of not. They're in the hunt. They're not. Um, whether it's a team like that, maybe the University of Cincinnati, because college football is part of the deal. You can invest in a number of different teams and potentially make money on them. And of course, if you're passionate about those teams, what's better than making money on teams that you're passionate about, right? And I got to tell you. The Bengals have made quite a move in terms of the Symbol stock and and where they are valued at. I believe when we first partnered with Symbol earlier in the spring before the draft, the Bengals were at about I think twenty five thirty dollars a share, and now they are they've been pretty consistently at around fifty five sixty dollars a share. So some of you may have gotten in early, invested in the Cincinnati Bengals, and already have quite a bit of money in your pocket 
right there. And then, of course, if they start winning and playing pretty well, like we all to some degree think and definitely hope for in 2021, you can make even more money on that. So this is about opportunity. If you play fantasy football, if you play survival football, if you play the stock market, you got to add symbol into the mix. It's it's a really, really great product. And we are very, very happy to be partnering with them for the regular season as well. Again, go to symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I and when you deposit $25 and use the promo code OBI, of course, for Orange and Black Insider, you get a free week of gold. So go check it out. Good stuff from them. As always, we are happy to be partnering with them. And hopefully you guys were able to uh, get on that ground level in the spring. Some of you, I know I know some of you have told us you've done that. So uh, check, check that out. Check out Symbol. Good stuff. Let's go to the Cleveland Browns, why don't we? Chris Hubbard was a uh, a very talented player for the Cleveland Browns, and he had a late season last year, um, second snap of week 15 Sunday night football, by the way, um, and saw his kneecap slide out of place and to the right. Yuck. Uh, so he obviously, the Browns have a one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and Hubbard was was a, a part of that. And so, you know, basically he he was pretty freaked out that this was going to be something that might, I think, end up his end his football career. Um, and you can see here at the time I was like, please don't let this be it. I was just thinking about what was next. It was one of those times where I was like, man, this is a weird feeling. This can't be it, meaning his football career potentially being over. Um, and he suffered a dislocated right kneecap, torn quad muscle and then was out for the rest of the year when the Browns had that nice run in the postseason. So he was a versatile swing tackle, uh, a guy who played uh, quite a bit and and helped out uh, on the offensive line there. And, you know, he's actually, uh, he, you know, he would probably be a full-time starter on a, on a lot of other teams in, in, in the league. It's just more that the, you know, Browns are so stacked at offensive line. He's kind of a rotational guy in there a little bit. So, uh, but anyway, kind of an interesting story about him and he is back and, and happy to be back with the Browns there. So um, kind of a good story in terms of his road to recovery, pretty gross injury, Ugh. torn quad, dislocated kneecap. Yuck, not good. So glad to hear that he is back for the Browns. And then of course, there's an interesting article on our counterpart or our, uh, on the SB Nation network here, Dogs by Nature. I'll put this link in the chat as well. Dogs by Nature is the site. Are the Browns in danger of regressing in 2021? And then, of course, they relay something about Bill Barnwell of ESPN lays out a case, uh, who laid out a case as to why the Browns might be headed in the wrong direction this year. So uh, interesting article here. He says here... Um, he does call Stefanski and Barry two of the smartest minds in the game. Um, but you can see here record and close games, red zone efficiency and point differential are kind of the arguments there. So interesting article on uh, dogs by nature, especially for those. I mean, earlier this week too, uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. of ESPN picked the Browns to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. So when you've got Bill Barnwell of ESPN's kind of saying there could be potential for a step backward by Cleveland, and then of course you've got Mel Kuyper making this bold, bold comp, uh, 
proclamation, you know, you got to raise your eyebrows a little bit at that. But uh, interesting article, nonetheless, on dogs by nature. Let's go to the Baltimore Ravens next. They have been hit uh, pretty bad by the injury bug, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But a veteran of the team, Lionel Dalton, I think he had kidney transplant surgery. If I'm, yeah, kidney transplant surgery to save his life. Um, and I, I, I seems like it was a success. So it, it's a, it's a really, this is on BaltimoreRavens.com as well. So I remember Lionel Dalton playing with them uh, a while ago and he was diagnosed with end stage kidney failure in January of 2020. Um, and he's been on dialysis and waiting for a kidney and all that kind of stuff. But, um, Anyway, uh, kind of a, an emotional story, but uh, Lionel Dalton getting the medical miracle that he needed and a guy who, you know, the, the played for the Ravens and has been uh, a guy that they love to support. And it's always good to see that someone who is facing a pretty harsh medical situation ends up making it out okay. So um, check that out on BaltimoreRavens.com. Good, good story there. And uh, a lot about family and what he had to go through. So um, good to hear he's on the, the mend of things it would seem at this point. I did mention that the Ravens have, so they lost JK Dobbins in the last preseason game towards ACL justice Hill. Another guy that was going to team up with Gus Edwards to kind of, you know, get that run game going. They love to run the football um, and, and do a lot of different things on the ground. He tears his Achilles in practice, and now they are working out all kinds of free agent running backs. Le'Veon Bell is is one, and I believe, I'll have to look, I think Le'Veon Bell um, may be signing there. I'll have to, to double-check on that there. Devontae Freeman, Elijah Holyfield. Uh, Devontae Freeman's an interesting one as well. But the Ravens are trying to do whatever um, to – to fix that run game in the wake of losing justice Hill and JK Dobbins, this at Blackthorn here, my buddy Ravens better not steal Patrick. I actually th- wondered if they were going to uh, look at the Bengals practice squad for, you know, Patrick or, um, you know, Travion Williams or whatever to, to maybe add to that stable there. I, I hope not either, but uh, we'll see what happens, but not, not good news for the Ravens, and it would be interesting to see if Le'Veon Bell makes it back or Freeman. Uh, yeah, Bell already signed with Baltimore. Thank you, Jason. I thought that may have been the case. thought that was a little bit earlier today before we just took the air. So there you go, Jason. Um, I believe that is – that's what I thought I had read before we took the air there. But regardless, Bell uh, appears to be the guy that they're going to be leaning on there. I did see someone also in my fantasy league randomly pick up Le'Veon Bell off waivers. So that was also something that clicked in my mind that said, you know, I think he's think he, after working out there, I think he's going there. So, um, yeah. So Ravens doing what they can to, to fix that running game after two major injuries to their, to their group. Let's go to the, Pittsburgh Steelers. They have an issue as well. TJ Watt is looking for a new contract, uh, but they there's not really a full impasse, I guess. Um, but, you know, he wants a new contract, and that has been known. Watt, quite honestly, to me, has been a very kind of surprising. I did not think he would be 
as good as he is. Um, I thought he had his best chance to be as good as he is with Pittsburgh, but I did not think he would be as good as he actually has been um, coming out of the draft. And he has been excellent um, for, for Pittsburgh and has been a thorn in the Bengals side, particularly when Bobby Hart manned the right tackle spot, which is no longer the case. So uh, this is on Steelers.com. Um, he is in negotiations for a contract extension, has not participated in team drills this offseason. As the talks continue, he attended OTAs and minicamp and training camp, um, participated in meetings and individual drills, but has not done any hitting while waiting for the contract extension to get finalized. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach, says, quote, I remain optimistic that something's going to get done from a deal perspective. That aside, I'm expecting him to practice tomorrow. Um, that was uh, from Labor Day talking about today. I'm proceeding with the assumption that he's going to practice tomorrow. That's kind of the approach I'm taking. He's missed some time due to obvious reasons. But like I've also mentioned over the course of his of this team development process, I'm focusing very little on those who aren't working for whatever reason. Uh, they're not working. I tend to focus my energy on those who are. So... The Bengals have their own issue with Jesse Bates and the Steelers have theirs with TJ Watt. So um, that is, that's that. We'll see. We'll see if, the, if there's some sort of arms race there and which team gets uh, their guy signed first, if at all. And then of course, overall, the Steelers have a clean bill of health per behind the steel curtain heading into week one against uh, the Bills, which is a very, very tough matchup initially. So um, they need to be as healthy as possible. This um, this this is going to be a tough one for them. So uh, they they play Stefan Tuitt, a talented defensive lineman, Anthony McFarland Jr., and Zach Banner uh, on injured reserve. The Steelers were hopeful to have everyone who was on the 53-man roster healthy and available to play in Buffalo Sunday. So they are in pretty good shape overall. I think also, you know, I mean, the Bengals have had their share of injuries. They're in, they're in decent shape in terms of injuries at this point. Yeah, Trey Waynes and Joseph Osai, those hurt. Um, but, you know, there were other times when, I mean, it was, you know, just, I mean, Geno Atkins last year, A.J. Green the year before that. I mean, it's just a mess. So um, that's uh, – it's it's – Seems like Pittsburgh's going into Buffalo in good shape with everything there. Now we're going to transition quickly to the NFL news. This is going long, but um, we've got we've had a lot to get to and a lot to talk about. This is the Minnesota Vikings, and they released their Week One unofficial depth chart. So I will share this here. Let's go down here. Of course, the starters: Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond, the rookie, is the backup. Running back Dalvin Cook and Madison is the backup there. C.J. Ham is the fullback. Wide receivers Adam Thielen, Jeff uh, Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, Amir Smith, Marset, the rookie there, and D.D. Westbrook, a guy that maybe some people thought would be signing with the Bengals at some point, did not uh, in free agency. So that's where uh, things are at their offensive skill positions. Let's go down to tight end. Tyler Conklin is their starter with the backups. Brandon Dillon, Chris Herndon, Ben Ellison. So they went pretty heavy at tight end, light at running back. Tackles, Rashad Hill, Brian O'Neill, 
uh, Derisaw and Brandel. Derisaw has been dealing with some some injury stuff, I believe. Um, so look, I had someone. You guys were uh, asking me a little bit of you know what what do I make of the Vikings and and you know what what's going on there. You see, Rashad Hill's getting the start over Derisaw at left tackle, Brian O'Neill, and then Blake Brandel. So. Um, you know, Rashad Hill, I, from what I understand, there's, there's been some issues, but, uh, he's capable. It it is, I mean, look, that's, that's a high pick for them too. Derisaw sitting on the bench. So, I mean, they're having their issues too. Ezra Cleveland was a guy I liked, uh, you know, he's the starter at left guard. Bradbury was another guy I liked recently. Uh, and then, you know, Ole Udo, I, I looked up, uh, I looked him up a little bit and just seeing what, guys and gals covering the Minnesota Vikings said about him. He was a guy that kind of had been just struggling a little bit and, and all kinds of different things. And then all of a sudden this year in camp, he has looked like a completely different player and kind of ran with that right guard starting spot. Uh, and you see Wyatt Davis was another guy, we, you know, we all liked as well in the draft process talked about a lot. So Udo just kind of took it and ran with it. So there are some names on here, uh, you know, the tackles, the starting tackles are definitely lesser known and Brian O'Neill and Rashad Hill, but their interior Cleveland Bradbury and Udo um, are names that should be somewhat familiar. Udo again was a guy that was, you know, there wasn't a lot of huge expectations for him, but he has played from my understanding pretty well in training camp for Minnesota and took over that, that spot there. So, um, you know, on defense, I, I you've got Daniel Hunter, uh, DJ Wanham, uh, Weatherly. They re-signed Everson Griffin, and then they drafted Patrick Jones this year. So Griffin in there, uh, a, a guy that they they had he was out there left, and then came, he kind of had some not so flattering words with for Kirk Cousins in terms of his play months ago, and then now he comes back. So. It's all interesting how that works out. Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, um, and then they've got Sheldon Richardson as a backup defensive tackle on this team. And then you've got old friend Nick Vigil starting at linebacker. Um, obviously, some familiarity there with, or at least there is there are traits there that uh, Mike Zimmer likes out of out of Vigil. And so you've got Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, guys who have been very good for a number of years at the linebacker spots. And then Vigil, you got Blake Lynch, Troy Dye, another um, uh, another guy that was on and off the Bengals roster for a while, Chaz Surratt, Ryan Connolly. Uh, and then you've got the corners, Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breland, Mackenzie Alexander back with Minnesota after being in Cincinnati last year, Chris Boyd, Harrison Hand, and Cam Dantzler. Um, on uh, on on the team here, so uh, and then Harrison Smith, Xavier Woods, Josh Metalis, and Cameron Bynum as the safeties. So a lot of familiar names, and that's kind of to be expected a little bit with the Mike Zimmer connection. But that's kind of a little bit of what the Minnesota Vikings depth chart and their starters and whatnot will look like on Sunday as they take on the Cincinnati Bengals. There are some weaknesses on that offensive line to answer one of those questions that we received earlier. Uh, in terms of Minnesota, but there, there are some vulnerabilities, but it's not something that, you know, it's like a complete total weakness. They have spent a lot of draft capital and sometimes to no avail uh, to try and fix that offensive line. And so they're, they're rolling with that. Christian Derrissaw, their high pick, not 
suiting up, at least at this point, as a starter. So we'll see what happens there. But it seems as if there are some areas, particularly potentially the tackles, um, that could be exploited if Trey Hendrickson ends up playing well, if Hodge ends up being more than just a preseason hero, if, um, you know, Sam Hubbard gets in there and, and continues to play well. We'll see. We've got kind of a an interesting, I don't know, funny kind of quote from Tom Brady. He's still upset with the, quote, very pointless jersey number changes. Um, the 44-year-old quarterback, this is on NFL.com, the 44-year-old quarterback voiced his thoughts on the NFL's number rule change earlier this offseason and isn't backing up his initial stance. Quote, the number rule is crazy. Literally, guys change their numbers today. I'm playing two guys who had different numbers in the preseason. So, yeah, you've got to watch film and know who you're studying, but so do running backs. They've got to know who to block. So does the offensive line. So does the receivers who are adjusting routes based on blitzes. So one guy's got a six, one guy has 11, and one guy has a nine, and they change every play when you break your routes to get to your spot. It's going to be a very challenging thing. It's a good advantage for the defense, which that's what it is. So you could say, hey, Tom, you've got a great point, or you could say he's the – the old man shaking his fist to the skies, the heavens saying, why are we changing this? Why are we changing this? I don't know, whatever you want to think. But uh, I I think the NFL tried to placate some of the, the players and giving them a little more of a say in terms of their jersey numbers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it kind of maybe got a little disorganized because of all kinds of other things that they are trying to um, trying to get figured out this season but uh tom brady not not overly pleased with what the jersey number situation is and then you see the seahawks a couple of pieces of news specifically on the seahawks they adjusted Dwayne brown's contract and then they convert roster bonuses into guarantees so they're getting creative to be able to and this undoubtedly comes with the mega extension that they signed Jamal Adams to just trying to make some more space and get in a better position going forward there. So Dwayne Brown, their, their left tackle, um, they converted roster bonuses into guarantees and doing all kinds of different things to tweak their salary cap. So that was one piece of news there. And then you heard a few weeks ago that the Las Vegas Raiders were the first team to require COVID-19 vaccinations and or, if you want to go to the game and you are not vaccinated, they will be having on-site vaccinations at Las Vegas. The Seahawks are following suit, sort of. Um, they are requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccination or allowing negative COVID-19 tests prior to home games in order to uh, get that. And, of course, it's kind of that 72-hour rule uh, with as it goes with COVID-19 tests, 72 hours showing a negative test. For fans over the age of 12 at home games, um, club policy will also require masking for fans regardless of vaccination status in accordance with local and state mask mandates. The Bengals uh, are not set to play Seattle this year, and, and, nor in Seattle. Um, so Bengals fans may or may not plan for that, I guess, as such. But uh, they are... They're cracking down on it, and, and I kind of said this with the Raiders. I, it's just going to be interesting to see how those dominoes uh, fall around the league. I assume that a lot of teams are going to be doing kind of something similar at this point. We mentioned that the Bengals were not going to be doing that at Paul Brown Stadium, not requiring vaccinations or or any of that or proof of that or 
tests or anything. Um, so uh, who knows, maybe they fo- end up following suit. But uh, as of now, it seems as if the Seahawks are following suit a little bit of what the Raiders are doing. There's a little bit more of a, a, a lax nature there, I guess, in terms of how they're handling, you know, allowing the testing portion. The Raiders did not seem to to do that. But, uh, you know, it's about being safe. And obviously with people, there's a lot of talk with the college games this weekend and a lot of people packed into those stadiums. And so there was a little bit of concern there uh, based on the amount of people at those games. And um, now, you know, the, the NFL is doing what they can to keep people safe. And of course, be not, not need to rearrange the schedule and do all the things that they had to juggle last year on a number of different number of different things. So that is a uh, piece of news on the Seattle Seahawks right before the, the start of the regular season. Here is the on CBS Sports some power rankings. We all love a good power ranking post. And Pete Prisco of CBS Sports is like the guy who always puts these out. Always, 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 always puts these out. So where does he where does he have all the teams? Well, you gotta scroll. You gotta scroll. He's got he's got Tampa. At number one, Bills two, Chiefs three, dropping a spot. So that's interesting. We got to scroll a little bit, folks, to get to our our Bengals here. 29 is where the Bengals fall on Pete Prisco's. And usually Prisco's pretty glowing and has been generous to the Bengals in his review or praise of the team. Joe Burrow's coming off a major knee injury, which is why there is concern about his play. He's looked off in camp. Oh, boy. In time. I think he'll get back to playing at a high level. They just might be a year away from competing in the division. So doing the next year Bengals is what Pete Prisco is what the, he has him at 29. So go take that for what you will. Here is one more. And this is from John breach, by the way, on CBS sports, John breach is the son, I believe of Jim breach the former kicker of the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, he focuses in on the Bengals from time to time, but he did the week one picks. And unfortunately, because it's not as sexy as Dallas and Tampa Bay, and it's not as sexy for some reason as Jacksonville at Houston. I don't know about that one. Uh, There, you got to scroll down to the bottom to the quote, rest of the picks and we will get there green bay at new orleans you got to get to the bottom here and he has bear with me this is a lot longer than i thought it was all the rest and here it is the third one down john breach of cbs sports has the Bengals 23 20 over the vikings i said earlier this uh this episode that it was probably going to be a one score game so be prepared for that i think that's what a lot of people think i think a lot of people think the Bengals can sneak this one out week one so john breach of cbs sports most definitely does and so that i wanted to end this episode a long episode of the water cooler chat but a good one um i think because we got to a lot of different stuff but Hey, thanks for hanging with me this long. We got a lot of live viewers, which is awesome. And appreciate the support. Looking forward to week one. We've got a lot to bring you this week, as I mentioned, not only on the Orange and Black Insider, but on the entire Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. So check that out if you would. And hey, 
Thanks for tuning in. Get this show on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Subscribe, leave a review. We appreciate that. Subscribe to our YouTube channel right there. Click that. Um, Click the notifications on. Leave a thumbs up if you could for this video. Appreciate that. And hey, let's, let's keep it rolling. We're heading to week one on Sunday. The Bengals host the Vikings. We'll see what happens. Thanks, everybody. Take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon.